Hello and welcome to Dream Life Best Fit Role with me, Nikki Smith. I'm a psychologist and a career and business coach. I believe everybody can love their work and I help people to use their natural strengths to transform their work life and love their job. These podcast episodes shine a light on individuals who have created their Dream Life Best Fit Role or business. I focus on how they've played to their natural strengths, those activities that energize and inspire them, and how they've conducted mini experiments to take the fear out of change and generate momentum. I'm delighted to introduce you to Jackie Broman today. Jackie is an Australian solicitor. She is the equalist, which I love. Uh, She's the owner of TBA Law, and she's an author a speaker, a runner, and loves to fish. And we're here today to talk about Jackie's story. And also she's got a fantastic book that I want to share with you all as well. So welcome, Jackie. Hi, thank you very much. So first up, I'd love to invite you to share a bit about yourself and what you're currently up to work-wise. I was trying not to laugh out loud, actually, when you did that introduction, um, because all those extra things, a runner, a fishing enthusiast. So I quite often define myself in terms of what I do for work, but there's obviously lots of other things that I'm doing. So running's a regular part of that and we try and go uh, fishing at least once a month. We've got a boat that takes us offshore and we go and catch tuna, which is very good for the diet and just great to have a weekend away from the phone Absolutely. Wow. So you you go once a month. That's brilliant. Yeah. 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 Who do you go with? It's just my husband and I and the dog. And if we've got some tag along, it's really good fun. Fantastic. Uh, I'd love to hear a bit about your pathway from studying law to where you are now, because you've, you've created an interesting twist in your life. Um, but if we go back to kind of really the choices around studying law and what happened after that first up, that would be great. So I studied law, I think, because I got the marks, to be quite frank. I thought that you do medicine or law if you get good marks. And I actually had my interview with Monash University to do medicine and thought that I did very poorly. So I changed all my preferences straight after that interview and got into law instead. So I studied law through Deakin University. I was a rural student, so had to move down to study and couldn't get any Centrelink benefits to support that. So it was actually quite difficult and I ended up working two jobs to to get through that. And then I met my husband and he's actually in the Defence Force. So we moved to Sydney before I'd finished my degree. So I went off campus to finish it off, worked up there. Then we moved back to Victoria and that's when the legal career finally started in regional Victoria. I did my articles, which no longer exists. They've changed how you get fully qualified as a solicitor now. After you finish your degree back then, you used to do a 12-month articleship, but because that wasn't standardised, they've now changed it over to a traineeship or a six-month graduate diploma. So there's two different pathways now. Um, But I did my articles in a regional firm and then worked there for a couple more years. Then we moved to Wagga with the Defence Force and I worked again in a general practice. But 
by this stage, I was sort of filtered more into family law area. Um, So I did a lot of work there and I was the only family law practitioner actually in that firm. And then we had a posting to Sydney. So I took it as an opportunity to stop being pigeonholed as a general practice slash family lawyer because I thought if my career continued on that path much more, I'd be stuck. So I actually applied for some roles in medium tier firms in Sydney. I got one of those, but after six weeks, I left there because I was extremely bored and I got a role instead in-house at a company as their in-house lawyer. Um, So that transitioned me into much more of a business focus as well. Um, And that was the last employment role that I had before we moved back to regional Victoria and I bought my current practice off a retiring sole practitioner. Uh, So that was about four and a half years ago. Fantastic. When you were looking for a change from your last employment and looking to this notion of buying your own practice, can you share with us what life was like? As an employee, it was a particularly horrible role that I was in actually. So I was really looking to be my own boss and not have to put up with office politics or to be quite frank, a male boss. And I also thought that if I was my own boss, I could have a bit more say in what I was doing. (laughs) Little did I know that the first couple of years of business, you have to take on everything anyway. Um, (laughs) But at least you know, I wanted to have a bit more control of of what I was doing on a day-to-day and where my career and life was headed. Yeah, aren't they wonderful things that we crave? We do. We crave control, freedom, flexibility and things like that. And I think it's important to listen to those cravings. So you said you'd had a difficult male boss, is that right? Yeah. So I think that in general, I was very much brought up to think that I could do anything that I wanted to do. And I still believe that particularly in terms of um, my intelligence and whatever education I can do. But then when I got into the legal industry, it soon became quite clear that female lawyers, particularly in general practice, were sort of filtered more towards certain areas of the law, like family law, um, which are particularly emotional. And also I came across quite a few instances of sexual harassment and bullying because of gender. And then in that very last role that I was in before going out into business for myself, it was even worse. It was in a environment that was highly masculine and And so in that last role before I started my own practice, and this is quite difficult for me to talk about, but I really want to start the conversation and for other people to talk about things that they've gone through as well. So I was firstly subject to quite a big pay gap. I was, it was a $60,000 pay gap. Um, so put that in context, I was on 80,000 and my male counterpart was on 140. And so that went on for a bit over 12 months. And when I did find out, I actually said something about it and it was rectified towards the end of my time there, which was at least decent of them to do. 
but still that just goes to show that, you know, they took me on to do the same work as him. And in fact, I was doing far more and achieving far more. And they were still happy to pay me less and keep it from me that I was being paid less. Um, And then there were other things at that job as well, like they were having a lot of compliance issues and not getting along well with the regulators. And um, I sorted a lot of that out because I was just able to talk to those people and I was getting things done and achieving things that no one else had really been able to do. So when I would get back into the office after one of those meetings, they would then put down those achievements by saying things like, so I only achieved that result because I offered sexual favours to the people in the department who made those decisions. So that was said quite a few times and there were other comments as well. In some ways, I can see that they were just trying to make themselves feel better but it certainly degraded what I was achieving, which was far more than they were. So that was the last role before I went out into business for myself. And I suppose from that, you can, it's a bit clearer as to why I was sick of working for men. Sure. So it sounds like there was a lot of motivation to create something different for yourself, because not only were you getting mutual recognition, you were actually getting derogatory comments about your achievements. Yeah. Which were completely inappropriate. Yeah. And this way, working for myself, I'm able to create my own little world, which is supportive. And, you know, although I'm dealing with other solicitors from other firms on matters, it's not like it's my own mentors and peers that are degrading me. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not saying all men are like this, are we? We're just saying in a particular firm, this was the case amongst a bunch of them. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, it was just probably the extreme of it. And I just didn't want to have to put myself in any situation that might turn out like that again. Absolutely. And I'm just wondering if there are any, you know, law graduates listening. I'm wondering, is there anything you want them to know about those behaviours and what they can do about them? Look, firstly, There are supports through your law institute or law society in your state that you're in. And there's um, good mental health programs that those institutes and societies have because it is becoming quite recognised in the legal industry that there's quite a lot of um, mental health issues as well as um, the bullying and harassment. And if the harassment is bad enough, then reach out to the Human Rights Commission or another organisation that can give you some support or guidance. The other thing as well is, you know, there are really great people in the legal industry, women and men, who wouldn't put up with it if it was actually spoken about. And so by speaking about it, I want these really great men and women to also stand up and make sure that they're there to hear from people if there's this going on. They're great tips right there, where to access support and how important it is to speak up. So Jackie, Uh, What was the transition like to owning your own practice? So day to day, the work that I was doing was very similar again from being back in a general practice where I was working for someone else. Um, So I was still working the same amount of hours to make sure that there was enough billable hours, etc. to be able to cover costs. But then there was also all the business aspect to start learning about. So staff and the right kind of software to use and reconciling trust accounts, learning how to market services and run your website and blog and all these other things that 
that businesses do. So I quite soon realized that I was probably working double the amount of time that I was for someone else working for myself. But again, it working for myself and having the freedom to a degree because I was in control. And did you notice a difference in terms of the environment and your energy levels and things like that? Oh, look, absolutely. Um, particularly in the early days, it was reinvigorating and I was running a lot on adrenaline as well and a little bit and on anxiety too because I had to make it work but it had this other element to it that I hadn't had before just working for other people. And this podcast is about strengths and mini experiments. I wonder what mini experiments have helped you to gain clarity and momentum in your work life. That question's been quite interesting and I've been trying to think about it for a while as well because I don't think I've ever been conscious of having done mini experiments and maybe if I was I would have done things differently along the way because I tend to be one that just makes a decision and jumps straight into something. So I can't really think of any examples where I've done mini experiments. You've written more than one book. Would a book count as a mini experiment? Because with mini experiments, I put them into three tiers. The first one is really the easy one hour mini experiment. The next one is a three to 15 hour or over three months experiment. But then Um, we can do a year-long mini experiment and I wonder if writing a book is close to that year-long experiment. Yes, absolutely. Actually, putting it that way, the first book that I did made me realise actually that it is quite easy to write a book and self-publish it. So yes, then they've just been rolling out of me. So, So yeah, putting it that way. And then other things, even just experimenting with marketing, doing little mini advertisements or trying Facebook and just putting a small time frame and a small budget on it to see if it works. And if it doesn't, you just disregard it and try something else. So yeah, there's lots of things in terms of pushing my career forward and the business forward. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Yeah. So there's a real range there. Uh, and I don't think I've ever heard anyone say it's quite easy to write and self-publish a book. That's wonderful to hear. (laughs) There's hope for everyone. Yeah. let's. Well, let's talk about your latest book, The Cult of Dissatisfaction. Can you tell us more about it? Yes, thank you. So when I was working for that firm and then also I had a dark period maybe two years ago where I was very dissatisfied with where I'd come to in my career. So I was feeling quite trapped in both situations. I was starting to feel like I'd been sold a myth about how your life is supposed to work, as in you go to uni, you you, you start out on a career, you get a good job, and then you set for life. It wasn't really feeling like it was turning out that way. And then with the inequalities I'd faced, I was also dissatisfied with what I'd grown up to believe that I could do anything and then facing um, these challenges. And then also, surprisingly enough, feelings of um, not being enough and the imposter syndrome that people have probably heard about. So I was feeling a lot of that sort of stuff. I was always thinking, always questioning myself, 
um, always thinking I didn't know enough. And the more I learned, the less I knew. So I'd spiraled down a couple of times and I'm not generally a negative person. And so the process of writing this book really explored some of those things and then looked at the conclusions that I'd come to about how to deal with that and make sure we don't spiral down, but we spiral up instead. So then I look at, okay, what can I control within myself to to make change and that change is actually okay. Change doesn't mean that you're a failure or changing to something that you think you will enjoy more doesn't mean that you're being self-indulgent because work doesn't have to be hard or something you don't like. And then I looked at, well, don't define myself by what I do as a job and just really starting to switch those negative thoughts around and coaching has helped with that. And then also learning more about myself in terms of my strengths and doing some of those assessments, you know, the DISC assessment and some of those other things that tell you more about who you are and how you relate to things has been really helpful. So yeah, that the book focus, it's, it is a personal exploration, but I really hope that people relate to those things. And then I turn it on its head and say, well, you don't have to be sucked into this cult of dissatisfaction. You can take control and make change and really be happy. Absolutely. So, so true. And we need to hear it in different forms. And I love that there is now a book to tell us this. Um, with such a personal story. It's fantastic. Thank you. So one of the things you touched on in being helpful to turn things around for yourself to spiral up was getting to know your strengths. And by the way, I'm thrilled to hear that Jackie gets her staff to do the Strengths Finder as well. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, can you share with us a bit about your strengths? Yes, I can. And you can probably pick what my top five are. Um, achiever learner, deliberative, focus, and input. So I'm very much in the execution and strategic thinking side. It'd be really interesting if I had done this 10 years ago, if I would have had the same results, because I'm not sure if having been in business for a little while has made me more strategic. But like you said, I also do this with my staff. So I'm fairly conscious of um, hiring people who have a couple that are similar with me, but then try and get them with that a bit more balanced, particularly with um, relationship building and a couple of those other areas that I'm not strong in. But also, we all talk about okay, so these are our these are our main strengths. These are, this is how I communicate because of these strengths, and so we're aware of. For example, I can be quite short and focused in my communication, but it's not meant to be blunt. It's just the way that I am. So when people understand that a little bit more, it's more cohesive in the workplace, I suppose. Absolutely. And yeah, so people don't need to take it personally in any way. You're just an efficient communicator. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way of putting it. Very efficient. I'm fascinated with strengths and I love, yeah, that it's helped to increase harmony in the workplace. In terms of your strengths, Jackie was touching on the leadership pillars that her strengths come under. So the strengths fall under four leadership pillars or domains and they include um, executing or implementing tasks, relationship building, influencing 
and strategic thinking. And Jackie reflected that hers are primarily in strategic thinking and execution, which actually should make everyone listening feel a bit better, which is how on earth is this woman running her own law practice and publishing books and fishing and <laughs> and running and doing everything. So uh, those strengths, she's got achiever and focus, which means she can get a lot done and she's got this beautiful high work rate and stamina um, and she can sustain it. And we're not all built that way, okay? <laughs> so um, please be inspired by Jackie, but don't compare yourself to her and feel bad about yourself is what I'm going to say. <laughs> no, no, please not at all. Look, I, I also think that it would be great to have a little bit more of an influencer and relationship builder in me as well, but we are what we are. So, And that's a really good point. So yeah, just to add a little bit to that, we are what we are exactly. So we are born with these strengths and it's interesting that you reflected on how 10 years ago would I've had the same ones. So Generally, these strengths are are fixed and they're innate. And yes, they will be strengthened with exposure, but generally our strengths profiles will remain static. And the nuances within strategic thinking will have changed with your exposure to, yeah, more of that business-focused work because you're on your own practice compared to working in a law firm. But certainly that ability to see patterns between ideas and look ahead and solve problems is something that you're likely to have been born with. And I also want to share a little bit about or just add a bit about what you said about you wish you had a bit more around influencing and relationship (laughs) building. That's really so normal. And I want to tell everyone about this. So most people I coach with their strengths do have their strengths in two of these pillars or domains. And pretty much everyone wants to have some in each exactly what Jackie said I wish I had some in influencing and relationship building so it's so normal I just want to normalize that it's a feeling that is universally experienced and so the interesting thing is we what we need to do is do what Jackie's done which is you either partner up with someone else who has those strengths so for example in Jackie's firm she is conscious of recruiting people who have some like her and some other strengths that she doesn't have and the other option is to mitigate or dial down the need to have those strengths because what we want to do is shape our work week to play to our strengths for 60 to 80 percent of our week so we really do want to as much as possible play to our natural strengths and one of the ways to do that is what Jackie said she's encouraged everyone to understand hey this is my communication style this is the reason why you can read my strengths report I'm guessing and you don't need to take it personally when I'm concise and to the point with my communication. Thank you for being so nice about those words. (laughs) It might be partly because I'm married to a very direct, concise communicator. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) yes. Um, But... That's how that's how much I believe in strengths. You know, we do we need to understand each other so that we can actually be our natural selves. And isn't life better that way? Yeah. Once my team did those strengths and I started recruiting for strengths, it has it's made a huge difference. Huge. Yeah, fantastic. So with our weaknesses, like we said, we want to partner up with someone who has that as a strength or outsource or eliminate the need for us to do those tasks. Can you think of something in your firm that you've managed to find that balance with? Give someone else a job or task to do that just isn't your strength? Well, I certainly don't do a lot of the initial customer service stuff. I have a lovely receptionist who is very high in the relationship building. So she's always pleasant and smiling on the phone or if someone comes in 
and she makes it so that people aren't scared to call us or come in and she gives them the time on the phone to be able to work through what they're up to and get information out of them much better than I would because I, if I was doing a lot of that initial phone calls being put through to me, I'd probably be a bit too blunt because I'd be focusing on three other things that I had to do and I would be trying to get them off the phone quite quickly and give them a quick answer and just book them into something rather than making them feel very comfortable. So that's one particular thing that that we've got, yeah. Yeah, so your focus would be let's just get a quick strategic outcome whereas um, your fabulous staff member on reception wants to build that relationship, wants to, them to feel confident and good about working with you. So that's a perfect example Oh, how fun. Yeah. yeah. And once you know the strengths, it's so easy to see it. It's good. Yeah. So if you're listening in and you haven't done the Strengths Finder yet, please go to Nikki, Nikki, uh, au forward slash strengths guide. And I will put the link under the Strengths coaching page on my website as well. Please go there and do the Strengths Finder 2.0 at your earliest convenience. Back to Jackie now. I also like to talk about, I guess, sharing overcoming something negative or adversity, but I guess we've touched on that a bit already. Would you like to add anything to this question about is there a mistake or a blooper you've recovered from or is there a recurring negative belief you've needed to recover from as well? The recurring negative self-talk that I have is almost the default. So I do have to be very conscious of it and switch it around quite quickly when I catch it. I think as well, when I initially spoke to you and what I hadn't already told your listeners is that at that job that was horrible, I was also actually slapped by my boss. And so that's probably five years ago now and I haven't really spoken about it much because I've almost been blaming myself for it. I've consciously thought how I could have handled that situation better so I wasn't slapped but then I have to turn it around all the time and tell myself, no, there's no excuse for that behaviour. There's no reason why that should ever happen, particularly in a workplace with a professional. So this is this is reoccurring, obviously, in my life in terms of looking to myself first with the negative rather than um, having a bit more perspective and going, actually, it's not always all my fault. There are other things going on and uh, how can I say that better? So my initial response always seems to be to blame myself first, but I have to turn that around consciously with positive self-talk and remind myself when no, actually, their behaviour is completely inappropriate or no, actually, I am completely capable at this, so stop talking yourself out of it or down or, you know, just empowering myself a little bit better with the the positive self-talk. So, so that's what's reoccurring for me and I'm very conscious of it now. Yeah, and wow, so important to be conscious of that and I'm sure there's, there's a lot of people who that is their default what could I have done differently? Is it my fault? And it is so important to look for other evidence. You know, what's the evidence 
when you tell yourself a negative story, yeah, we need to look for evidence. Is that true or is that just a story? What else was involved? What's the evidence for and against, which, which would work well in a legal mind, I think. What's the evidence for and against that? And I, I think it's help, so helpful to share that. Thanks for sharing that, Jackie, because I think often people look to men and women who are more established in their careers thinking they never have a doubting thought, honestly. Mm. And it's part of their human condition. For It's part of our brain you know how it works to look for danger to apply a negative story when it when it's not real so yeah so helpful to share that thank you so we now need to know where can people find your book oh yeah great <laughs> so you can find me in a couple of places as you said earlier my main business is tba law there's a lot of free information on there that people are quite welcome to look at and you can find me to contact me through that page but my personal blog is called haveitall.net.au and my books are available through there as well as other downloads and things if you're strategic like me you'll love some of the goal setting stuff that's on there so yeah thanks for letting me share that Oh, of course. And the website is brilliant. Jackie's blog is fantastic. So pop over and have a look. She's got lots of resources and articles there. Um, And yeah, it's fantastically well-rounded and just so much useful information. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. Welcome. So Jackie, I invite my guests to set a challenge for people. Would you like to accept the invitation? I will. And because I'm very strategic, my first instinct is to set a goal setting challenge or a prioritizing challenge. But because I've shared with you that um, one of the reoccurring things that I have to constantly battle with is my negative self-talk, I think that the challenge to the listeners should be something around becoming aware of a negative bias that you have that isn't actually true um, and decide to change that about yourself. And it might be something as simple as I'm not good at such and such. Like I quite often tell myself I don't have a good memory, but in fact I probably do or I can't do dot, dot, dot. So I think just notice something that you tell yourself, question it and turn it around. I love it. That's a great one. I can share a recent discovery for myself. I, in recent times, have used words like, I don't run, I hate running. (laughs) Uh, And guess what? I volunteered with my daughter to marshal the local fun run. Great. Yeah, and thinking she might get into it because it looks like she likes running. And I mean, kids just like running full stop. And she was really inspired. And so we've signed up for the fun run this year. So I'm learning that actually I'd, I can run. I don't hate it. Uh, it's okay, especially if you can run on the beach. It's even better. And it's just, it's just uncomfortable at times. Uh, and as someone who describes themselves as a runner, I find that so foreign. But anyone can run. It's the easiest exercise to do and you can feel so good afterwards. So thanks for sharing that. That's great. <laughs> Absolutely. It's good to have a few examples. Everyone's got two examples now or even three examples. We've got the, the I'm not good enough or it's my fault. We've got my memory's no good and we've got I'm terrible at running or I hate running. <laughs> so we've given you a bunch to choose from but I know that you can uh, find your own as well. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story and I'm looking forward to reading your book. 
I didn't quite get to it before our interview, but I'll definitely be reading it afterwards. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Please go check out Jackie's website and we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Two things I'd like to mention. Firstly, if you're keen to boost your happiness at work, then head on over to www.nikkismith.net.au, which is n-i-k-k-i-s-m-i-t-h.net.au and sign up for your starter kit. I share tips in there that are easy to implement and are pure gold. Secondly, if you crave a new work role and have no idea what to do, or lots of ideas but don't know where to start, then head on over and check out the 7-Step Career Change online program. This is an awesome system I use to help people create their dream life best fit role, which is a role that matches their strengths, interests and lifestyle needs. It will move you from feeling fed up, unsure and unconfident to clear, inspired and motivated in six weeks. Plus, if you want to hear more stories like this one, please subscribe and spread the word. Till next time.